Welcome to the We Rush In podcast, dedicated to exploring the physical and mental demands of being a first responder. I'm your host, Dan Gignard, and I'm a Canadian police officer with many years of experience as a use of force instructor and police supervisor and everyday patrol officer. I understand firsthand the importance of maintaining both physical and mental fitness while on the job. In this podcast, we will be talking to Canadian first responders from a variety of fields, police, fire, paramedics, and even military, as well as service providers who assist in the training and health of first responders. We'll hear about the challenges and triumphs of maintaining fitness, training, and overall health and wellness while on the job. We'll also learn valuable tips and inspiration on how to stay fit and healthy, both physically and mentally, while serving our communities as first responders. Whether you're a first responder yourself or just someone who wants to understand the unique challenges of this profession, this podcast is for you. So let's dive in and explore the world of first responders' health and wellness. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned. Welcome everyone to the third episode of the We Rush In podcast with your host, Dan Gignard. Very excited to have Rick Hawes on the show with me today. Rick is a former police officer with the Estevan Police Service in Saskatchewan who had 20 years on the job prior to a PTSD diagnosis. He went on to build a meaningful life outside of policing when his injuries prevented him from continuing on within his chosen career. I want today's episode to serve as proof that those who are struggling can build a life outside of policing. Good afternoon, Rick. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. How are you doing, Tim? Not too bad. Well, like I said, I just want to have a conversation with you about uh, life after policing. Um, Maybe just start by telling us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Well, um, I was with EPS for in uniform for 17 years and then out of uniform on and off after I got sick for another three. So I got out in 2007. Is, is when I got out and wound up in health and safety. And now I'm living in Edmonton and um, I do health and safety for uh, for a couple of companies. And yeah, it's really good. Awesome. That's great. Um, just to clarify for the audience here, EPS, a lot of people will, will think we're talking about Edmonton Police Service. Yeah. But, because, uh, uh, yeah. you know, I used to work Estevan. in Alberta, but uh, yeah. Estevan Police Service, uh, yeah. small town, southeast Saskatchewan. Uh, you betcha. Where I used 12,000 people, I think. Yeah, I think they're still yeah. sitting around there. It jumped up a little bit when the oil was high, but. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't Perfect. think it's there anymore. <laughs> no, no, exactly. And yeah, like yeah. I said, we're just hoping to uh, provide a little insight into policing or sorry not policing but life after policing you know with a PTSD diagnosis and I think a lot of guys feel like uh, it's kind of the end for them like they don't know what to do because they've they've always been a cop and never been anything else right so yeah I can totally relate with that Mm -hmm. Uh, like when when WCB finally decided that yeah okay they were going to retrain me and so that was it. I I resigned and, and everything else like that. And I hadn't really given any thought to what I was going to do now that I grew up. You know, like it's always, what do you want to be when you grow up? Well, I grew up. <laughs> and so I just, I never really gave it any thought because it was the only, only thing that I'd ever really done. And uh, so the, my handler with WCB he got a hold of me and he said, okay, uh, we need to know right now. Like he came to my house and he had a stack of of, um, of course calendars from pretty much every school in Western Canada. 
and said, pick one. And I said, are you serious? I said, I just found out that I'm done, that my career is over. I'm not going back. And now I have to pick my next career, like right now. He said, yeah. That's unreal. Yeah, I got, I got a little upset, a little short with the guy. And um, so anyway, I picked up the... The, the course catalog because I asked him a bunch of a, a bunch of questions like I always wanted to be a teacher, uh, psychologist, and that type of thing, and it didn't didn't work out for various different reasons, and they were all WCDs, and so um, I picked up the force the first calendar that I found it was IAS, and I was flipping through that, and commercial pilot came up. And okay. I like, hey, I always wanted to learn how to fly. Yeah. All right. So I, I picked up the phone and I phoned the guy and it was about a half hour later or something like that. And I said, uh, I want to be a commercial pilot. He said, okay. He said, put it together, send us a, a proposal and, and go from there. So I did a little bit of research and um, one of the schools that I'd been talking to gave me some information on potential salary um, expectations and that type of thing. And I thought, oh, okay, yeah, that'll, that'll work. And but it turns out that those uh, expectations were somewhat inflated, right. and because I talked to some people, I'd gone through private school and now I was going through a commercial school. Oh, okay. And I had a chance to talk to some pilots, some private pilots, and yeah, they weren't making anywhere near the money that that I was told they could make. So I'm, you know what? No, I'm not doing this. And so. I left WCD and I went to work for a guy that I knew who owned a trucking company. Okay. And drove for him, and I made some connections in the oil patch, and I wound up with uh, a company in Esteban um, as an equipment operator. I thought, yeah, never done that before. That sounds interesting. So I give that a try, and then from there they offered me the position of uh, health and safety coordinator, which I took. I thought, yeah, okay, that's a natural progression. Mm-hmm. And I did that job for about a year, and then I was promoted to to regional health and safety manager, which was all of Canada, and transferred to NISCU and never looked back. Sounds great. So, yeah, yeah. And they wound up. Uh, well, I, I enrolled in in university thirty mm-hmm. years after I graduated high school. Here yeah. I am going to university, and <laughs> found out that. I actually liked it. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. it was it was it was enjoyable. So I uh, the the company paid for a good portion of the of the university, but then with the downturn in business and everything else like that, the uh, the education programs they dried up. So I finished mm-hmm. it myself, and um, I finished uh, university in I think it was 2016 when I finished un- university. I applied to the um, the Canadian, uh, like the board of Canadian registered safety professionals. Right. And they accepted my application. Uh, a couple of months later, I wrote the, the exam. I passed the exam and I got my designation as a safety professional. Nice. So uh, that's, that's what I've been doing ever since. And it's just kind of evolving from, from that company, uh, because of the downturn and everything else like that, they, they were eliminating positions and unfortunately mine was a luxury. Mm-hmm. And so my position was eliminated. And then I got on with, uh, with another company, um, loosely affiliated to the oil field. They were a manufacturing company. Um, and I was the global health and safety manager. Okay. And so I did that for a couple of years and, yeah, tough times hit again, and so uh, a lot of the operations and everything were moved to the U.S. and oh yeah, and then yeah. I decided to retire. 
and I found out that I'm not designed to retire. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was just, oh man, I've never been so bored. Right. And so I went back to work and I'm working for um, um, an oil field reclamation company now. And I'm oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, is that uh, like reclaiming old well sites and things like that? Or? Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Okay. They go in and, and, and yeah, they, uh, uh, old abandoned well sites and that type of thing. They, they oversee the, the reclamation of that and, and put it back to, um, to nature. Right. Yeah. And I think um, it's just the whole getting retrained thing uh, for myself, even Mm -hmm. uh, straight out of high school, I kind of did a few things, but nothing really that I could fall back on. Right. So I think a lot of that's a daunting thing for a lot of guys as well as like, okay, so Mm -hmm. even if it's not a PTSD diagnosis, maybe it's just, you know, you're not. You're, you're not, not designed you're, for it. You're not, you're not for it. built for it anymore, or it's just yep. you. You maybe it's you just, not for you. Not for you anymore. Yeah, exactly. And then what do you do, right? Like, yeah, some guys are lucky enough to have gone to university, things like that. They can fall yep. fall back on something. Uh, guys well, like me, who's enough? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. Sorry. No worries. Uh, just guys like me who, like. I turned wrenches for a couple of years and mm-hmm. I'm a, I was a carried by trade, but like none of those pay yeah. as well as what this does. Right. So, yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have a trade. I got out of high school and I went to work on the rigs. Right. And I went to work service rigs and, and, and that type of thing. And I did that long enough to know that I would never, ever do that again. <laughs> and so right. yeah. um, the, uh, the policing job came up and, yeah, I, I decided to do that. And then you get to the point where you've almost got, you know, the golden handcuffs on, mm-hmm. where you've got so much time in that you can't leave. Cause, For sure. Yeah. You know, yeah. but uh, yeah, I didn't have anything to fall back on. So I wound up, I went to school a little bit late. Right, uh, but there's no such. Is there such yeah. thing though? Really? Yeah, not anymore. Because <laughs> there was a couple of classes there. Believe it or not, I wasn't the youngest person in the class. Well, there you and go. That really made me feel good. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So um, yeah. yeah, it's 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 there. But I think for me, the the biggest problem was, uh, um, I don't want to say ego or anything like that, but you know, I just couldn't accept that I couldn't do this anymore. You know, it's the, it's the type A personality and everything else like that. And, mm-hmm. and you just, you, you, you stay in the fight, right? Yeah. You, you're I always agree. fighting. Yeah. Always, always, always backups always coming. So you never give up the fight. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to accept yourself. Yeah. Like, uh, allow yourself to do that. Yeah. Well, and I think what happens is it becomes part of your entire persona. Like, and you, you wear not only the thing, the the badge and all that, you wear it sort of as a thing of honor, but it starts to become deeply ingrained as part of who you are. Right. I think a lot of guys lose sight of just who they are on the outside of the job. And I think we're getting better. I think at recognizing Mm -hmm. that guys need a hobby. Guys need to be able to do things outside of the job so that they can stay more than just a cop right yeah i was lucky enough to get a piece of advice um i i think it was uh from one of the lecturers at i think it was the senior hospitals course i was on in regina and the advice that he gave is don't let the job define you Mm -hmm. you know you work at this job this is not what you are 
you yeah i i work for a police agency you know i'm employed as a police officer but i'm me and yeah. you know yeah. it's it's it for me it was always a, a way to to put a roof over my family's head and make sure that my family was was taken care of so i i loved the job you know i, I uh, there was aspects of it that i loved Absolutely. and there was other right. aspects that yeah i had a little bit of difficulty with but uh, I didn't. I didn't let it define me. Like I, I wouldn't say that I'm a cop. Right. It's I work as a cop. Or when people ask me what what I did for a living, if I didn't know who they were, I told them that I worked for the city. Oh yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you know, I work for I work for the city of Esteban. And a few years ago, I happened to be in a barber shop in the city here, and another guy came in, and he had his his son in tow. He was three or four, something like that. And he was a, a really good little kid, you know, and he's running around behaving himself and that type of thing. I struck up a conversation with the guy, and uh, I asked him. I said, "So, what do you do?" He said, I work for the city, and I just started to laugh. I said, what, <laughs> what division are you in? <laughs> he looked at me, I said, I used to tell people the same thing. So we yeah. laughed about that and just talked about the job for a while and that type of thing. But, yeah, it was, it, That's it was awesome. kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, yeah. I've definitely heard of other members sort of spinning kind of what they do to strangers, right? Not not really revealing yeah, exactly. how or what, what it is they do. Yeah, I've seen, you know, I've seen people, you tell them what, what you do for a living, and they just kind of recoil back. Yeah, and, yeah people don't know. You know. They don't want to be around you or, or yeah. anything like that. And and when people, so it took me a long time to tell anyone that I, I suffered from PTSD, because you got this look in their eyes, like, Oh my God! You know, like yeah. like you were gonna you were gonna climb a water tower or something, something. like that, and yeah. it's yeah, you know, and so that, that that took a while to get over. But then I just come to the realization, you know what? Your opinion of me means absolutely nothing. Yeah, for sure. I and really don't care what you think of me. When I look at myself in the mirror, I like I like the person that I see looking back. For sure, that's all that counts. That's all that really matters at the end of the day. Um, exactly. I think we're getting a lot better on the whole. Oh my God, yeah. this guy has PTSD thing, you know, like yeah. uh, sort of changing the narrative and understanding that people, it's, it's not just, it's people are being labeled and it's not just a label. Like there's more to it no, than that's that. Right. right. And I mean, yeah. we can still yeah, it's, function and do our normal day-to-day stuff and, and move on with life. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, there's no, no different, you know, for sure. And it's, it was difficult for, for me to accept you know, initially, I mean, I was very much old school. Like I started policing in the mid eighties for sure. And, um, I know the, the first time that I figured out that, you know what, um, I might need to talk to somebody. I sat in the parking lot of the doctor's office for a half an hour yelling at myself and berating myself for being weak Mm -hmm. and, and that type of thing. And, you know, I mean, so that's so that. That's the hardest thing to get over is accepting it yourself. And then yeah. when, once you accept it, then that's your first step towards healing. I think. I agree. You that's yeah. yeah you got to do your work, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Sure. And then yeah. yeah. And then once it, it it was funny because once I turned in my gear to the chief and told him what he knew was coming as well. Mm-hmm. Um, once I turned it in and I walked out of the out of the station, it was like a weight of the world had been lifted off lifted off me. I bet. 
and it was just it was it, it was amazing mm-hmm. and it wasn't it wasn't you know oh my god you know now what or anything like that it was it's over yeah and yeah. I don't have to worry about that phone ringing at two o'clock in the morning right. or, yes. or anything like that it was it was over mm-hmm. and now it could start to heal for sure absolutely yeah. Um, yeah I'm not sure if you recently heard um, I learned a new term that's being used. It's uh, PTSI, just uh, showcasing that it's really just an injury and thus something that can be uh, treated and then, you know, moved past, which is a pretty big deal if you ask me. I, I think a lot of the problem was that the, the perceptions that everybody had of PTSD were fed by Hollywood and the news media and that type of thing, which is sensationalism, you know? And so once people come to the realization that it's just an injury and, you know, then, yeah, I like, uh, I like that term a lot better. And I just, I just sort of just heard it just recently. Uh, I was at some in-service training and uh, the people that run Project Resilience 911, which is a group here in Manitoba, had brought it up. And then even the speaker who we were, was speaking to us, uh, he mm-hmm. suffers from PTSD. He had a pretty serious incident overseas. And uh, he even started just doing his best to use that term for the remainder yeah. of the remainder of the talk, which I thought was really cool because, like, he's a pretty authoritative guy within the field yep. of mental health and leadership and all kinds of stuff. And he just immediately picked up this new term and started using it. So I thought that was pretty, yeah, that I was like, pretty I like sweet. That term, PTSI. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know what else. Uh, I noticed you said in your bio there that you, you run a little hobby on the side, a little business doing photography and stuff. I mean, that's. Yeah. I, uh, that's the, the well, I mean, a lot of the skills, oddly enough, a lot of the skills that I picked up in law enforcement have worked very well for me in health and safety, um, instant investigations, interviewing people, um, right, yeah. that type of thing. And it served me well. But the photography, I even did that when I was when I was uh, a cop. I got tired of because I was trained as an IDEM photographer, right? Right. And so you're not exactly catching people at their best no no for so sure I, yeah i wanted to i wanted to photograph live people so i started doing family work and weddings and that type of thing and then i thought yeah, you know what i can have more fun just photographing mountain scenes and and that type of thing so yeah we did that and just set up a, a small online online business where doing that type of thing and yeah loving it that's really enjoying it that's cool yeah i was actually gonna kind of ask is so how much of what you learned as a police officer then assisted you in the field you take because i think a lot of guys will instead of completely switching they want to try and find something that will still use what they learn so they don't have to learn as much or they feel like they're still using the skills they've acquired over the years right Right. like i mean i've got 12 years on i i'd like to use some of those skills going forward right no and i i think for for us in law enforcement i think we're we're really well positioned for for positions like that because number one you learn how to talk to people you learn how to interact with people and so your interpersonal skills are are always you know excellent type thing 
And so I've, I've used that, my uh, presentation skills, um, teaching uh, and, and that type of thing. And yeah, I, I find that a lot of what I picked up during my time in uniform has, has served me very well. That's good. Yeah. I think, like I said, I think that's a concern for a lot of guys is not just what am I going to do when I go back to school, but like, what can I do that, that, yep. that lines up, right? Especially people that don't mm. have a lot of other training. So it's, oh, it's yeah. good to I remember that we, that. we are professional talkers. We're, we're professional yes, at talking. Exactly. So, I mean, pretty much any job where it involves uh, relations with people is something that mm-hmm. we could, we could probably work into pretty good yeah we we interact with other people relatively well and yeah we are professional talkers and uh, you know we're usually talking ourselves out of the trouble our partner got us into <laughs> tell me about it yeah that's definitely a <laughs> that's definitely the case and, sometimes yeah and it, it, it was it was funny because i had a i was conducting uh, an incident investigation um in in this here and and it was it was pretty pretty simple and i had a trainee with me and the, this young guy i'd worked with him in esteban and he transferred up to NISQ and that type of thing and he was he was learning health and safety and so i was i was interviewing the, this individual and it kind of started to move from an interview um, almost interrogation where you kind of get into the guy's head yeah. and you start pulling strings and, and, and that type of thing. And, and the, the young guy that was with me after the interrogation was over, cause I let him sit in on it and just kind of watch. He looked at me, he said, how the hell did you do that? And I said, do what? He said, and he was just absolutely amazed. And then he looked at me, he said, have you ever done that to me? <laughs> don't know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was, it was, it was kind of comical, but yeah, the, the, the interpersonal skills I find served me very, very well. Absolutely. Um, some of the, um, some of the, the, the specialized skills that I picked up in IDENT and that type of thing work, work pretty well too. When I'm, when I'm doing instant investigations and, uh, and that, that stuff. For so. sure. Well, the analytical mind, yeah. right. The way to exactly just, yeah, it never, it never goes away, <laughs> That's uh, true. which is, which is okay. <laughs> yeah. Nothing wrong with that. Putting it, to, no, putting no, it to no, good these use. Skills are, they're always with you. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, I guess what else do you got planned? Like what do you, you said you can't retire, uh, so I don't know. Yeah. Well, I've got a, I've got myself lined up for um, a course here in May, okay. where I'm going to become a, an external safety auditor. That's what the, this course is about. And so my my plan for a few years from now is just set up my own little um, my own little company where I'm doing health and safety audits, where I'm consulting, and and that type of thing, where I just kind of work as much as I want to. Oh, yeah. And yeah. you know, I can I can do a gig here, I can do a gig there, that type of thing. And and if we want to take a month off and go somewhere, hey, we can do that. You know, it's just something to keep me busy. Perfect. Yeah, and that. Yeah, even, and even for me, that's my wife's scene. <laughs> yeah, that's the end goal for me too. Eventually, is something that I can <laughs> do on the side and and tra- yeah. travel when I want to. Right. So. Yeah. Exactly. And that's uh, and that that's the plan. Uh, when I was when I had that that piece of retirement i was really enjoying going out a buddy of mine asked me to teach him how to take a photograph so 
we did that and and went out but my wife was was kind of feeling left out so she asked me to teach her how to how to how to take a photograph and right teach her all that stuff so we've been doing that for a while unfortunately it's been an absolutely crappy winter so we haven't been able to get out right and yeah. just just yeah. just wait to get back yeah. out and start doing it again is that something that you've done elsewhere where you've put on sort of uh sort of privately put on in- instructional sessions for photographing or uh, no it's not i never really gave it any thought you know that's that's kind of my thing and i, I keep it for me absolutely and uh, and i think you need to do yeah. that with some things right like yeah some things you need to keep to yourself yeah and my buddy he just happened to it was something that he wanted to get into and he knew that that uh, that i did it so he asked me if, if i would mind and i said no i, I, I don't mind right you do so it for a friend right so sure yeah. and then when my wife come to me she'd never mentioned anything like that before i mean she'd always been with me anytime we're doing any photo gigs or anything like that she's always helping and uh, and that type of thing but she never really uh, expressed an interest in being behind the camera right so when she did it yes by all means let's go mm-hmm. and so we spend we spend quite a bit of time and i mean there's some really nice parks in the city here so we don't have to go that far that's pretty awesome and then i mean yeah now you kind of have like a bit of a shared hobby which is also really nice yeah, to have exactly. right like uh yeah we have a shared interest and now yeah. when i when i want to buy a piece of camera gear uh, i can just show it to her and just yeah for sure <laughs> i don't have to sneak it into the house no <laughs> yeah and like even for uh my wife and i is we're really into the outdoors and the kayaking and things mm-hmm. like that so we have that mutual interest which i think makes a huge yep. a huge difference right and it's the same thing where oh, well, yeah. i want this piece of camping gear or whatever right like <laughs> Yeah, it benefits. You know, it benefits yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah. that's right. <laughs> For sure. And yeah, it's it's some some to share. And like my wife and I, we our 40th anniversary is in December. And uh, and people ask us, "Wow, what's what's kept you together so long?" And we're just joking. And we said, "Well, if you met our kids, uh, you'd understand because the agreement was whoever left first had to take the kids." And neither one of us were about to do that. So so we stayed together. And then after the kids moved out, well then we started joking, Oh, okay. Well I had I had my dog, she had her dog, and we didn't really care for each other's dogs. Whoever left first had to take both dogs. Well, okay, well that wasn't a good fix, so we stayed together. That's awesome. And now now that we're up here in the city, we both just yeah. I don't want to go through the trouble of training somebody. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. And I often wonder about that, right? Like people having to learn how to rebuild themselves as an adult post like kids leaving the house mm-hmm. and stuff. Right. Like oh, that's, I mean, uh, my wife had a really, really tough time when our oldest left. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, emptiness syndrome. Oh yeah. She had a really tough time. With it. Yeah. And, but when it comes time for our twins, um, yeah, she's don't let the door slam your ass on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> she was she was ready at that point. <laughs> yeah, she had a taste of it, and yeah, <laughs> she wanted. It. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, uh, she already had plans. She was going to remodel bedrooms and everything, oh, like yeah. that, and they did not include <laughs> keeping beds in them. So <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, it was funny. Oh yeah, yeah, that was a good time. Perfect. But yeah, it's. You know, I know when when I first got my diagnosis and like when I first filed the claim with WCB, it was one of the first ones 
that went in at that time and it wasn't accepted you know like it wasn't as readily accepted as it is now wcb didn't have policies in place and right and, and that type of thing and when i filed my claim i got a phone call one evening from the investigator and went through it and i was the one that was there i was the one that went through it and i didn't believe what i was saying right you know yeah, it yeah. Was just yeah yeah and so i could tell that the guy was not believing what i was telling him mm-hmm. but uh yeah, they wound up accepting the claim, and away we went from there. Okay. Yeah, and it's un- like I'm glad they accepted your claim. It's unfortunate that it still seems like years later we're we're still yeah. we're still finding cases where it's not accepted, where where people yeah. are struggling and fighting to get the coverage or get yeah. get, get the ability to move on. Right. It's it's almost like the um, the old you know, like the old thought processes and the old stigmas associated to it are still, are still hanging on there with some people. Yeah. And yeah. And I think it might be just a, a matter of understanding, like maybe mm-hmm. people that are in the position that those people are in, in WCB need more specific, or they need to have specific people that work there that deal with mm-hmm. these particular cases and are well-educated on these things yeah. specifically. Oh yeah. You know, and it's, you know, I mean, WCB, um, but it's also, I, I think myself personally, I think it's the senior police leadership. They need uh, better education and, and recognizing, you know, yeah. when someone is, because you, you don't just wake up one day and say, Oh, okay. Well, today's the day. Mm-hmm. Um, it leads up and i think the best thing that a that a, a leader could do would be to if you recognize something out of the ordinary with your with one of your people do something about it i agree and i think we're getting better um i think yep. we're we're trying um i just know yeah there's certain you know some instances where I think what happens is the member sometimes like not in every case, but becomes a poor performer say, and there's probably mm-hmm. a background reason to that. Yep. And then they get reprimanded and then they, that happens a couple of times and they've, they, they can't handle it anymore. And then they go off and then they make this PTSD claim. And then yep. management has got this perception that the claim is being placed just because they got in trouble. Yeah. Right. Instead of just accepting the fact that it's probably a a whole slew of things that led to this point. Right. And, you know, I I remember when my my first session with the with psychologist um, and the guy was absolutely amazing. And the session lasted for an hour and a half. And I talked for an hour and a half and he wrote he never said a word. He never interrupted me. Nothing. All he did was take notes. And at the end of the hour and a half, he said, okay, he said two things. First of all, wow. And second, he said, how are you still alive? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just, but uh, another problem that, that, that we shared is that the, um, it's the attitude towards the small towns. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Nothing ever happens in small towns. How you, you come from, from a small town. 
how can you have all this, you know, these these problems? Nothing ever happens there. I mean, hell, we were told in a negotiating meeting one night, nothing ever happens in Amsterdam. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's but, just... And the, the, the problem with that, is especially coming from the public or the city workers, like the, the mayor, things like that, they don't understand. Police, no. like police are only called to people's houses and things when it's the worst thing that's going on. The things yep. that you can't even imagine are happening in your community. No, that's right. Right. That's, so that's right. to this day, my wife doesn't know a lot of the stuff that, uh, yeah. that, that happened. Yeah. And, and that type of thing. And like, I'll keep it that way. There, you know, and there's, there's nothing wrong with that. Right. Like there's certain no. things that the, the public ought not know goes on. Because mm-hmm. it, it's not going to serve the public any for them to know just how bad things can be, right? Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, you know I mean? we've decided to take this on as a job <laughs> to, to deal with things that yeah. people can't deal with, don't want to yeah. know exist to deal with. And it's just mm-hmm. part of the it's part of the gig, right? Yeah. And unfortunately, um, it gets to some people don't make it pat don't make it out of that. So yeah. And, you know, it's it, it, it's funny that one of the things that I had a lot of trouble dealing with was why am I going through this, but nobody else is? When knowing what I know now, they were all going through it. They, you know, we're just very good at hiding it. A hundred percent, yeah. And and that type of thing. And, and yeah, it's you don't have to go through it. Yeah, I say you're, you're a hundred percent on that, like... The whole why am I, what why me? Yeah, yeah. Why me? Everybody's dealing with it in some shape, way, or form to some degree. So yeah, like at the I end mean, of the there day, was, there was there were some calls that I went on where I was actually um, dealing with survivors still. Right. Yeah. You know, and yeah. and and that and that type of stuff, and and yeah, it's yeah, it it's. Uh, it's a very rewarding life. It really is. For sure. And like I said, you're loving everything you got going on now. You got good hobbies. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know about you, but I like the area you live in. Edmonton's got yep. close proximity to such beautiful outdoors. Like, I just want, oh, yeah. I want to give guys hope, you know, that yep. if they're suffering, they can, they can walk away from this job and they can build yep. a life for themselves, right? Yeah. And uh, you know, if if you're if you're looking in the mirror in the morning, and you don't recognize the person who's looking back at you, you know it doesn't have to be that way. For sure, yeah. And you know, um, it you can heal from it. It's not. Yeah. 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 It's it's not what it used to be. No, exactly. And I think there's yeah. a lot more education uh, happening, even yeah, even with. Uh, the people treat treating people. They're they're mm-hmm. always there's always new information, new uh, yep. therapies, things like that to help. So I think we're moving in the right direction. We just need to keep working at it. We just need to keep moving there. It's like Winston Churchill said: if you find yourself going through hell, keep going. Keep going. You'll come out on the other yeah. side, right? Yep, you will come out. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the We Rush In podcast, where we explore the physical and mental demands of being a first responder. I hope that you found today's discussion and interview informative and inspiring. 
Remember, maintaining fitness, training, and overall health and wellness is essential for first responders to be able to serve their communities to the best of their ability. Stay tuned for another episode on the 1st and 15th of every month, featuring more interviews and insights from Canadian first responders and service providers. In the meantime, please visit our website for more information and resources on first responders, health and wellness, and don't forget to follow us on social media for updates and additional content. Thank you for listening. Stay safe out there.